0: Hi my name is Lydia and I'm Emma and we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Holy Shit Podcast. We are so excited we're on our second episode of our porn series, and today we're joined by Matt Klein, and Matt lives in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, with his wife, Louise, and their two young boys. He is the founder and director of Restored Ministries, an organization focused solely on equipping men and women to live free of sexual bondage. He is a leading voice in Canada on the issue of pornography and his work has impacted thousands of people of all ages in more than 40 countries and around the world. He is also the co-host of the Pure Victory podcast. So Matt, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and being willing to share about this.
1: You bet. It's an honor. I've been excited to chat with you guys. Thanks for asking.
0: Ah, I think just to start out, would you mind um, introducing yourself and sharing a little bit more of your story?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I live up in, in a frozen tundra in Canada. It's, <laughs> it's cold. It's not, it's not always as cold as what maybe some Americans think, but there's definitely a few days a year where it's freezing and today is one of those days. So it's, it's cold up here, but I've been, I've been here my whole life. I've um, been in different parts of Western Canada, but grew up playing hockey. And so I was a big hockey guy. And, uh, and, and always a believer though, um, never really knew a relationship with Jesus until I got out of hockey. And I had a career ending concussion actually where I had headaches for six years. And so in that time I, I had uh, just this, this new sense of peace, new sense of relationship with Jesus. And so it became more my foundation in life. And in that time I, I had still been watching pornography from when I was, I guess the whole scope was I first started when I was about 11 and then when I was 25 or 26, uh 20 25 i guess then i was done and so it was in that time frame in my early 20s i was still watching pornography i was growing a bit with jesus uh after hockey was over and i had this sense that i want to start an organization similar to aa but for porn addicts in the church and that's all i would ever think and i knew that it would happen eventually in my life i thought it would maybe be when i was in my 50s and i was financially set and i could just do ministry and And, uh, and I was, I was in this time, I was still praying, I was like, Lord, give me something I want to, you know, be be free of porn, like, give me something that's strong enough, like an anchor to get me free. And at the same time, I would pray and I'd be like, God, I want to be used for you. I want to impact people around the world, I want to advance your kingdom. And so I was in a worship service, and, and struggling with pornography, uh, maybe worse than ever. And I was sitting down during the, during worship and the Lord just spoke to me and he said, Matt, I want to use you, but you've got to get pure. And I was like, whoa, this is like the anchor, right? Like it's the anchor that I've been praying for, but it's also an answer to this other prayer. Like I want to be used by you all around the world. So he killed two birds with one stone. And, and so I quit and, and literally three weeks later, I had a real supernatural encounter where Uh, I don't know how to describe it other than to say the presence of God was in my room. And I don't know if it was Jesus or an angel talking to me. I don't know, but something was there. And I had never experienced anything like that before. And the Lord just said to me, you know, that thing that you want to start in the future, I want you to start that now. Mm -hmm. And I said, now? And he said, yeah, now. And so I I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I gave up some business dreams that I've been working on. And the Lord just gave me a real passion for this. And so uh, it took a few years to really get things going. In the meantime, I met my wife and we started a family. And so in the first few years of our marriage, we we started this ministry too. And now we have uh, we have two boys. David is three and Oliver is, is 10 months and just started climbing stairs this week. So we're in for an adventure. So,
0: so precious. You bet. Yeah. So you kind of touched on what led you to start Um restored ministries i'm wondering was like how was that process of starting it
1: yeah that's a good question so the night i mean when the lord spoke to me it was four in the morning i'd been out with friends till three i was picking my parents up from the airport at five so i was just staying up and so it was it was in the middle of night some people might think i was hallucinating or something but but it was a it was a cool time and so i got out my phone the notes on my phone and i just started writing down right as soon as the lord spoke to me okay, what do I need to do? And so I'm like, okay, I know this guy who's a graphic designer and this person who's led a ministry. And so my, my kind of adventure, the start of it was mostly just calling up ministry leaders, pastors, different, uh, you know, chaplains, people that I knew that had been in ministry. And I just started asking them like, hey, this is where I, 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 what I heard the Lord say, it's where I feel him calling me. I have no idea what to do or how to do it. So can you teach me. And so in the midst of that process, I, I worked under a guy, just volunteer basis for a year and a half. Um, one of these ministry leaders said to me, he's like, well, when I started, my mentor said to me, you've got to work under somebody. And that was really beneficial for me. And so I recommend that for you too. And so I did that for, for a year and a half or so. And uh, and I learned a bit. I, I, I definitely learned a bit, but that guy who I worked under and me we didn't, we didn't really have the same vision. And so there just came a point where my wife and I just felt the Lord saying, hey, it's time to go and really dive into what the Lord had had called me to. And so once I started doing that, I had already been speaking a little bit for three or four years by this point, um, where just randomly people would ask me to to preach and I'd never preached before. Or, you know, when I was working under that guy, I started Uh, Our churches started hearing that I wanted to talk about pornography and so they would have me in. And so when I started the ministry, it still was small for a few years. It still stayed local, but um, I was still, I guess it was known in our local circles that if somebody wanted to, you know, bring someone in to talk about pornography, I was an option. And so, um, yeah, I just talked with a lot of people that were ahead of me and asked questions and learned on the go. And I'm still learning on the go. That's
2: awesome. That is really cool, and um, I I think your story is really remarkable because not a lot of um, people struggling with this have that like um, huge like epiphany moment um, and kind of like cold turkey quitting isn't um, as I guess um, easy for some um, and so I just think that's really awesome. And I also like um, what you touched on with having different like mentors to kind of guide you through your process of starting your ministry and also um, just helping you. So I guess to really um, beef up the conversation, if you will, I'm curious um, to hear from you about what is porn actually, um, because there's a lot of images out there. There's a lot of media out there. Um, I've heard the phrase like soft porn and hard porn. Um, what is porn from yeah, your perspective?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I just want to touch first on what you said about quitting porn cold turkey. Um, when I was 21, I, I was watching porn and I had this thought. I thought, you know, I want to be done this by the time I'm married. And so if that's the case, I got to be like, there has to be a last time. Yeah. So literally in the middle of watching pornography, I just closed my computer and I didn't really think about it. I thought, man, I want to be porn free for a year before I date anybody. I don't want these images in my mind. And so I, I closed the computer, didn't think about it. Hardly, hardly ever got tempted. And so two years, two and a half years just about went by. And I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm free. Like I made a good decision. Uh, I'm free of porn, but I didn't guard myself. I didn't grow myself in the Lord. It was just kind of, I had a relationship but didn't really grow and more of the glory for, for quitting porn was on me. I didn't really go to God and say, Hey, thank you for helping me. Mm. And so two year, two and a half years later, uh, I actually fell back into it. And I, I, I just got an iPhone. Somebody at work said something that triggered me. And I went back to pornography. And so then it was a two and a half year battle where I was really, that's why I was praying like, God, give me something, like, give me an anchor. I had something before I want to be porn free for a year before I date, but now that wasn't strong enough. And so the second go around where the Lord said to me, I want, I want to use you, but you got to get pure. What I didn't understand. And what some people sometimes struggle with is that what the Lord really was saying was I want you to be like, get pure, but get pure through being intimate with me. Because through growing in intimacy with me, that's where not only do you get free of sin, but also impact comes and fruit comes from your life. Mm. So it wasn't literally that I just quit cold turkey and just made a decision. It was that the Lord took me on this journey of intimacy. Mm. And when temptation would come, I would be like, oh, I can worship. I can pray. I can learn and let God let into my heart issues. Mm. And so that was more of my journey just to expand on that because some people are like, Oh, you quit cold Turkey. I can't relate to that. But the intimacy with Jesus is really the key. Mm -hmm. And so some people, when they quit, then they go, okay, well, I, you know, I'm not watching hardcore porn, but I still masturbate or I still fantasize all the time. Or I, you know, I, I just look at people on Instagram and it's not porn. So I justify because I'm still you know, I, I'm not doing something that's as bad. They're not naked; they're just in bikinis or whatever it is, and it could be girls to guys too, where you know, looking at good-looking-looking looking people. And so, what is porn like in Matthew five? Jesus talks about looking at a woman with lustful intent, and that, and that that's adultery with that woman in your heart. What the word that he uses in Greek is he he, he uses the word porneia. And so pornea is all encompassing, like all sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. And so if there's even like a lustful intent in the way that you look at somebody, whether it's a woman or a man, that's adultery in your heart, like that's a pretty Mm -hmm. high standard. And so we've got to understand that pornography is pornography, but that's actually not mentioned in in scripture, just like, hey, don't look at porn, but you can look at You know, good-looking people on Instagram. It's like the lustful intent in your heart. That what's in your mind. That's what the Lord wants us to be free of. Because if we're not free of that stuff, it's always an escape. It's always something that we're going to go to when life gets hard, when we're bored. Uh, It's going to rewire our brain in a way that we can't experience joy. We're not as motivated in life. We can't be productive. And so, even if it's not pornography, but you're still spending hours looking at things. You're still you're still going outside of God's design, and so He's not mad at you. He loves you, but He wants to get you out of that. Even if it's not straight hardcore pornography, He wants to get you out of that so that you can live in in all of the fullness that He has for you.
2: Yeah. Wow. There's so many questions that I I want to ask, but it can um, kind of go everywhere. Um, I guess my first thing is how how did it start um for you if you don't mind sharing and like do you see it as like a common start um for most men and women or yeah just a little bit about your experience there
1: um, yeah that that's a good question i i think i was 11 i was 11 or maybe 12 and i had never heard of pornography i wasn't prepared for, for it my parents were a bit naive like most of our parents were in this generation and and so a friend just showed it to me one day we, we would just play video games play games in his basement we play hockey together and we just had fun and one day he just whipped out these two pictures on his computer and I was just shocked I was like why do people do this why would they be willing to be mm-hmm. naked and have a picture and I just like my young mind was so shocked but also mm-hmm. enticed and so I just went home and We literally had just gotten high speed internet in our home and I never used it. Only my older sister used the internet, but I went home and I started searching up things and didn't know how to use the internet. But, uh, eventually I would start to learn how to find things. And so, um, yeah, I always felt tons of shame, tons of guilt, never really got caught, uh, but always wanted to quit and just couldn't. So I always knew that it was bad, but is that common? Yeah. I mean, I, I was around 11, um, just earlier today on our podcast, we were talking to a guy who was five when he got showed mm-hmm. up by a family member, which is young, but it's not uncommon. Uh, the most of the people in our program who, who see pornography for the first time, it's typically between eight and 13. And there's the odd person who, you know, it's 17, but 95% are eight to 13 years old when they first yeah. see porn. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: I feel like
0: the ages are also getting younger, especially with- yeah like the devices kids have. And like, I mean, I was six when I first saw pornography.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. I have a question about, you know, it getting younger, um, being exposed. Is there a correlation between um, the younger you're exposed to making it harder to quit? Um, Is there like a correlation there? Because I've heard that people who... exposed much later, it's easier for them to quit versus um, those who are exposed at a younger age.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any stats on that. But when you look at the brain development, um, it it just messes with your brain. And so when when it's like anything, like if if a child has moved around a lot in his younger years, he doesn't have that stability, there's there's an impact on the brain. And so it's the same when we're exposed to this stuff. And especially when it's addictive and habitual. Uh, it it really does block or hinder the development of your brain. So the the prefrontal cortex where there's, you know, logic and problem solving and reasoning that, that in women, you guys are smarter than guys. So typically like by 21, that's fully developed guys, it's more like 25, it's fully developed. But, but when you're, you're watching this stuff, when you're in addiction, it could be any addiction as your brain is starting to develop it doesn't develop fully and so literally mri scans show where there's parts of your brain that are that are missing or it looks like there's a hole there because it hasn't been developed and so the younger it starts the less chance your brain has to develop fully and so it's it's sick i mean it's it's a scheme of the enemy to attack kids and uh parents need to be aware that that that's a reality and we need to know how to protect our kids too
2: yeah could um, you expand a little bit more about what exactly happens in your brain, like when you're watching porn?
1: Yeah, so a chemical that's commonly referred to with pornography is called dopamine. And dopamine is a, it's a feel-good chemical. We're in the reward center, which is in the middle of the brain or the limbic system, it's called. Um, it, it releases when we feel good, when, when there's, you know, you're playing sports and you win a championship or you score a goal or you're playing music and people clap for you or whatever it would be when something feels good that you're doing, uh, there's, there's a huge release of dopamine. And so uh, when, when these things happen in our lives and they feel good, it could be good or it could be bad our brains release dopamine, but what then happens is it partners with a protein called Delta Fos B. And so Delta Fos B creates these neural pathways in our brain. And so it cre- it, it, it's dopamine. when you're watching porn, it's kind of like a sprinkler, sprinkler that's like going in circles and like, ch- 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 ch, like continually shooting dopamine into the, into the brain. Whereas with cocaine, for example, the high that dopamine gives is way higher than it is with porn, but it crashes after about 20 minutes. With pornography, oh. it just continually shoots yeah. out more dopamine. And so the neural pathways get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so because the neural pathways then remember that, hey, when you did this activity, dopamine was released and that felt great. The next time somebody feels down or, or rejected or lonely, uh, maybe they're just bored in life. The brain is like, hey, remember that thing that felt good? Mm-hmm. Uh, go back and do that thing. And so uh, with pornography, a lot of people have told me that, man, like I used to drink, I, I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I kicked those things. But porn, it's mm-hmm. a battle. And a lot of people will say that. Um, and it's because the, the, the continual release of dopamine leads to like, you could watch porn for six hours, and be on the same constant high. Mm-hmm. Whereas with cocaine, you take a hit, but it, it crashes after, say, 20 minutes. And so it really cements these neural pathways in your brain that, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it leads to, a lot of doctors will say that it leads to literally not being able to experience joy in any other area of, of your life, except uh, for watching pornography. So it's really sick and scary.
2: Wow. Yeah. Um,
0: oops, sorry, I'm you
2: can go. Um, I was just gonna say, do you think that there is any way to like justify porn? Is there any like justifiable response?
1: I mean, how much do you value yourself? Like, do you want to, do you want to expose yourself to something that hinders joy and hinders productivity and leads to depression? You know, people, people justify porn by <laughs> some, some people talk about ethical porn where those there's ethical right. porn, like, yeah, there's, there's or the women made. Yeah, exactly. It's ethically made. The porn industry, like there's abuse and there's rape and there's manipulation and all that. But ethical porn is like these actors, they're not being abused at all, but they're still like naked having sex on camera. Like how much do they really value themselves? Mm -hmm. And so you're exposing yourself to that. And even if those actors really did value themselves, you're still exposing yourself to that. Mm -hmm. And God's design is always best for you. And so, why would you want to do something that's outside of God's design if you really value yourself? And so, if you're trying to justify uh, pornography or justify, hey, I just scroll and I just check people out on social media or you know at the gym or on the street or whatever, um, it's like, hey, doing this thing is okay. But sometimes I think of it of it like, you know, in math when it says like two plus x equals five and you replace mm-hmm. the x with three, it's mm-hmm. like replace like x is like, hey, I'm justifying porn because it's ethically made, and so therefore it's okay. But what you're saying is like, therefore, doing something that like leads to to depression, Mm -hmm. leads to me thinking about people outside of my marriage, leads to me feeling insecure, therefore doing that thing is okay. So when you're saying like, oh, I think justifying, you know, porn is okay, or or, hey, masturbating is not that bad. Well, what you're saying is, I'm going to continue to do this thing that's no, don't say masturbating, say, I'm doing this thing that's causing depression, causing my brain to not mm-hmm. develop properly, causing those things. So you replace the X with the three. And that's really the reality of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I I don't know. I mean, you can justify anything in your, in your life. But if you want to live at the fullest in your life, I just wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah okay, I guess dispense. my other question is, is watching porn like an emotional experience? Or is it just the high of the dopamine that is like happening during that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It might be different for different people. Um, But some people, some people say, Hey, you know, when you feel can, or you want connection in your life or when you have, you know, you're single and you want to get married or you're having a fight in your marriage, then you're not feeling connection. So you go to porn to feel connected. I actually don't think that way at all. I think that because you're not feeling connected in your life, you're not feeling emotionally full, you're, you're literally, you you can't handle it. And so you escape into porn. So it's more of a numbing experience than an emotional experience. Because I don't know a lot of people, really, I don't know if I've talked to any who say, yeah, I, I really felt emotionally connected to the people on screen. It's like no, I just went there to feel numb because my life was hard because I had a fight with my wife because I lost my job because I was feeling broke, feeling inadequate. I couldn't handle feeling that and so I went there to escape. And you know, we're we're made to live full. Like God made us incomplete, but he also made us to live full or even overflowing. And so we're basically it's like we're we're a we're a puzzle that has some some pieces missing but God is the only one that can fill those pieces. He also brings people into our life and situations, jobs or whatever to fulfill us. But when we're looking for fulfillment in a relationship and not in God or in a job that he doesn't have for you, you're looking to complete that puzzle with the piece that just doesn't really fit. And so we're, 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 we're made incomplete, but we're made to be completed by God. And so when we're not being completed by God, We literally like, because we're made to live full and we're not, we can't handle it. And so we then go to porn as a numbing experience or an escape because we can't handle that we're not living in the way that we're meant to. So I hope that that makes sense. But I just think it's more of an emotionally numbing experience than an emotional experience.
2: Yeah. And on that note, why do you feel like boyfriends or husbands struggle with porn? Like is... Is it because their lives are so bad, their relationships are so negative that they need to go in numb? Some part of that with porn, is like that the reason or is there a- another one there?
1: Um, I think the, the reason that a man watches porn is almost never because of the woman that he's with. Mm. And when the woman finds out that he's watching porn, There's anger, there's confusion, there's all of these emotions, but there's also insecurities. Like, am I not beautiful enough? Am I not good enough? Does he not love me? Is he not loyal? Like for a woman, it's hard because there's all these personal thoughts that lead to insecurity. But for a man, it's like, man, I mean, I was talking to even somebody today on a podcast, like I really love my wife, but I was just addicted. And that I just had these pathways in my brain. And so you can have a really loving relationship where you love your wife, but maybe, maybe you've just been hooked since you were 11 years old and you haven't rewired your brain Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, something happened at work. There's always stress in life. Even if you have the best relationship, even if you have the best relationship, there's still stress in that relationship and there can be miscommunication. And so when that happens, um, the door is open for porn. Now, I mean, guys can't be, and girls can't be victim to, oh, well, this is just what I do. I mean, you've got to learn to overcome and break free. But um, a reason why a boyfriend or a husband goes to porn um, is almost never because he's just unsatisfied in the relationship. That's a, it's a tough one for women to comprehend, but it really is true.
2: So since it's so tough for women to comprehend, I I definitely relate to that. How would you um, advise women to respond to um, like a porn addiction disclosure or what do you think that women should be more aware of and understanding of when it comes to this topic and having conversation with their boyfriend or husband?
1: Yeah, I mean, this might be better answered from a woman, but I can definitely answer <laughs> it. <laughs> um, we, we have a female coach named Kelly in our ministry. And the reason we work with her over other women that we've, that we've seen or referred people to in the past mm-hmm. is because she doesn't let a woman be a victim. And a, a lot of women, it's hard because there's a niche, there's all this emotion that comes up, especially when you first find out And so, I mean, there's been stories of people like hitting their husband with a pillow or running out or like just making these threats, um, making them, you know, tell their children immediately. I mean, there's all these like responses in anger, but that's, those things are not helpful when it's done in anger. Those things have to be done, uh, you know, in in a, in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. But as, as a woman, it's an opportunity and this might be a revelation, but it's an opportunity for you. To be more like Jesus, or it's an opportunity for you to be more, to learn how to love at a higher level, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to 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 love somebody or to see what's going on under the surface in somebody's life when you're so hurting. But what we always encourage women with is you've got to find support, like you've got to be willing to have friends, uh, get a coach, get a counselor, find somebody that you can talk to about Mm -hmm. all of your pain, because you can't have that just explode onto the man that you're with. It's just going to make things a whole lot messier. And so what you do, or at least what we do with Kelly, Kelly will work with a lady on how to, how to communicate her, her pains and her hurts to her, to her spouse or to her boyfriend, um, to her fiance where maybe it's going to be written, maybe it's going to be where Kelly or me are there. And we're, 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 we're guiding the conversation and we're helping things get out. It's just such a more um, safe and controlled environment where things aren't going to get out of hand because there's so much emotion. And so a woman has to express herself, but initially we would say, express yourself to somebody safe in your life. That's also Mm -hmm. a woman who isn't so emotionally connected to your situation. So Maybe not your mom, maybe not your sister, maybe not your, your, your best friend who's just going to say, oh, leave him. He's such a pervert. <laughs> like find somebody who's mature that you can open up to. And just, this is a great story. Early on our podcast, we were talking to a couple of them today and they were fighting when he had first disclosed and she just, she wanted him to be punished. And he said to her, you don't understand what I feel when I look myself in the mirror. And she was like, wow, I don't, I want my husband to be punished, but I didn't realize the level of shame that he was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, she started praying and saying, God, help him to see who you see him to be when he looks in the mirror. And when you can pray in that way for the man that you're with, Mm -hmm. even though you have pain, think about how proud you are of yourself, that you can overcome your pain and still love somebody rather than just try to punish them or or uh-huh. give them the silent treatment. Um the last thing that I would say in this is if you try to punish them, you're punishing yourself too. Mm-hmm. Your relationship is not going to prosper if you just simply try to punish that person that you're with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh that's so good. So love that last story.
1: Yeah, me too. Incredible cool.
0: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Let Lydia. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think is there just anything else you would want? women to know about the guy side of things
1: yeah yeah a lot of a lot of guys a lot of guys want to be exposed Mm -hmm. they just don't know how um you know when guys confess that's a great thing but when a guy gets caught the woman doesn't have any reason to believe that he wanted to quit Mm. um And that's very justified for her to think like, you probably didn't even want to quit this anyway. A lot of times they do. They just don't know how to talk to someone. They feel so scared of of maybe of you leaving them and they don't want you to leave because they love you so much. And they're like, I don't know how to quit this. But if I expose it, they're going to leave. The reason why they don't quit sometimes is because they don't want the relationship to end because they love you. And that's not what you think. You think, well, obviously you don't care about the relationship because you wouldn't be watching porn if you did. And so for a woman to understand from a guy's perspective, it's not because he doesn't love you. Um, It's often because he he wants to quit and just doesn't know how. And so when that exposure comes out, often the guy feels so much shame, but also feels a relief. Like finally I've gotten busted. Finally I've confessed. Now I have no idea what to do, but I need help. And so mm-hmm. a guy needs help. There, there's stories that we've heard of wives who search out our ministry or different ministries for their husband because they're going, my husband wants help, he doesn't know what to do. And so sometimes a wife can come alongside that person and help them. And, and when a guy comes in a, in a ministry or in a group and starts to feel like he's not alone like other people are there and can relate to him there's so much freedom in that that a guy really is desiring
2: mm-hmm. um along following that what do you think the woman's primary role should be because in my experience in situations like this um i don't necessarily feel like I should be an accountability partner because it's not something that I want to think about 24 seven or be a nag or have it dominate just the thoughts amongst our relationship. Um, Do you feel like it's important for the man um, to have an accountability outside of his girlfriend or wife? Um,
1: Yeah. We never recommend the wife or the girlfriend be accountable. (laughs) We never recommend that. Uh, We think it's, we think it's really not good. There's some people, there's not many ministries or any that I've heard of that recommend that there are some couples who do it and they go, well, it worked for us, but we just wonder, I mean, what's it like for a woman to constantly be policing her husband or her boyfriend? What's it like for the boyfriend to constantly live in fear that, that, at any time, like she's going to not trust him. She's constantly looking every day or every week at the reports and Mm -hmm. pouring things over, like what's he done? I mean, it's just not, not freedom. It's not the way that a relationship would be where you're just continually policing Mm -hmm. each other. And so, yeah, a man has to get accountability from other men. Um, as a principle, it should never be people who are emotionally invested in your recovery or in your failures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully the person who are who you're accountable to or the people, hopefully they they love you, they have emotion for you, but they're not gonna be just distraught if your report okay. is not good or if you've screwed up. And so as a woman, policing, say a man always gets always is free with a with a wife policing the husband. Well, that dynamic in the relationship has now changed because there's mm-hmm. not the trust that's being developed because the wife is continually policing and, and and looking over things. And so we just think that there should be trust that's developed. A woman has to know that a, that a guy has accountability. A woman has to know that a guy uh, is pursuing health, is pursuing um, freedom in his life. But for her to know every single time that he does everything or anything wrong, we just have never seen that to be productive because he's got to get things out. He has to get everything out. but. It just says, just with, like with a woman, a woman has safety with other women, a man has safety with other men. And so he's going to be growing with other men. And so for a woman to see that, it really builds trust in a relationship that, okay, I don't know every single word you're speaking. I don't know every single thing that you're doing, but I understand that there's no secrets and I can see that you're growing. And I really love that. So um, yeah, be his cheerleader. And at the same time, work on your own thing, work on your own heart issues, Get healthy yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself that now you have a trouble in your relationship. That's his fault. Like if there's if if you're married to become one, mm-hmm. if he's watching porn, he has a porn issue. Your marriage has an issue. So there's a responsibility on you to do your part and to get your heart healthy too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But also, just to question that, do you think then that? that issue needs to be, or should be best solved or resolved in dating before marriage? Um, like, should dating couples, would your advice be to talk about this and make sure that that's not an issue going into marriage?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the guys I'm coaching one-on-one right now, um, he was going to ask, he was going to propose to his girlfriend at Christmas here. Um, we're, we're, what, we're two weeks before Christmas when we're recording. Yeah. And, and I just said, man, like you guys haven't even had conversations about this stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know if she's going to respond to your problems with grace or if she's going to, you know, respond with insecurities that you don't know about. She doesn't know that you're struggling with this. You, you got to know each other before you're committed. And so when you're dating, it's more like an information gathering process when you're dating, yeah, there's a butterflies, there's excitement, there's like emotion, but like you're gathering information. When you're engaged, it's more you, like, you want to have a time of engagement that's exciting. You're planning a wedding, you're excited, you're dreaming together. You're, you're talking about what it's going to be like to live together. You don't want to be engaged and all of a sudden drop this bombshell and all these plans go out the window and you're like, oh man, we, we got our wedding in two months. Now it's like, should we push it back? Like, and then especially not after you're married, After you're married, if you then expose, if you then expose this, like you, you, you've, you've, you've basically lied to somebody on the altar by saying, yeah, you're marrying me and you know me, but really I'm holding something back. Like, like there's just, there's so much damage that comes in that. So me personally, when I was dating, I would never go more than two or three weeks, even getting to know somebody without telling them if I had cur- was currently struggling or if it had been a past struggle. I, I, I just I, I didn't want it that I didn't want that relationship to be built on a lie and I didn't want to disrespect her by getting her into a, into a relationship where she didn't really know me. And so mm-hmm. as a woman, value yourself enough to have those conversations, even if you're like, oh, I really love them, I don't want this to wreck it. Value yourself enough to have those conversations before you say yes
2: thanks everyone for listening to this podcast with matt from restored ministries where we talked about pornography husbands and boyfriends struggling with porn and how women and men should be responding to this topic and how we move forward together as always please feel free to dm us send us your questions comments we would love to hear your feedback Our Instagram is theholyship.podcast and you can reach us at our email as well, theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.